listening to For the Love of God Pod. For the Love of God Podcast. Welcome to For the Love of God Podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. Oh, we are back. And I'm excited. Well, technically, we never left. Well, we never left, but I feel like it's been a month since we've had an episode because for the last two weeks, at least, we've had to compromise our studio. I lost my mixer. My mixer, folks, has been out of commission. I had to send it in to road to get worked on and they ended up sending me a brand new one so i had to use other means and it was much more difficult in the recording process the editing process just everything so if the last two episodes kind of sounded funny that's why hey funny is better than not existing so that's true you know Yes. I mean, if you if you really wanted to watch a show on TV, would you rather watch it a little staticky or not at all? Well, see, now you, you guys are spoiled. See, I, I I am from old school when we had a little rotating antenna when I was a kid on the house. Yeah. And you'd cl- do that little clicker thing and like, and it would turn and it would come in. Right. And I lived like between Columbus and Cleveland. So no matter what you tried to get in, it wasn't really all that clear. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'd rather watch something than nothing. True. I am kind of a snob when it comes to quality <laughs> though. Like if I, if I'm looking for a new podcast or something to listen to, cause I don't watch television and they don't have good audio quality. Mm. I don't listen to it. Even if it's probably, it might be a good show, but yeah. I, I just can't stand the far away, tinny echoey I want good quality. There's plenty of shows out there. Right. I'll find something else. Right. Well, right. for two weeks, I think everybody handled it. I yeah. Hope. I mean, the audio quality was fine. Yeah. For two weeks. Yeah. But we're back. M- the only, they may have not even noticed, except for less sound effects and no music and you guys' intros just took a back seat. Now I don't know if I want to play your intros anymore. So, well, and I think we had a lightning storm like during we did. one of them. And which that was pretty did, cool. it did, it was, and it caused some um, interference. Whatever. We got through it. It's all good. But now we're here. We're here. New board. A lot of colors. A lot of buttons. We are here. Folks, welcome back to the show. This is Jason, your host for the For the Love of God podcast. And I'm here with Rick and Nathan. And I mean, I'm not even going to play your intros anymore. Maybe I will. But we're back. So, um, yeah. Round of applause. (laughs) Wow. That's not self-serving at all. (laughs) It was for all of us. I mean... If you go to a live studio audience and they, the show starts, people clap. Oh, see, now you're letting them know that there isn't a live studio audience. Right. Ah, oh, you gave away the surprise. We're here oh. with the live studio audience. <laughs> uh. Man, Nathan always has to make me try to feel bad. <laughs> but Nathan, it's not ever going to work. 
So you can keep trying <laughs> and trying and trying. Actually, right now, Jason is thinking of every way possible, every excuse to push one of those buttons. He is. Um, he's I've missed my buttons. Well, actually, what I'm doing is I'm looking at my layout to make sure I remember where I set up everything so things will run smoothly. It's going to be similar to iCarly. Random buttons. Random buttons. <laughs> so, now, I'm just, now I'm curious. Yeah. Are we recording? We are. Okay, good. Just the, making sure. The red light. That was an issue in the past. The red light is on. And uh, <laughs> we <yeah>. are live. <laughs> we are live. So, Jason. <laughs> Whatever. Those kids stuttered. What's this show going to be about anyway? Well, That's what I want to know. Today, we are, we're going to have uh, news with, you have news, right? I do. Okay, news with Nate. And uh, our topic today is going to be, we're going to talk about the letters to the seven churches. They're important. They have a lot of meaning to the temperature of the churches in uh, modern times. And of course, God knew that. We're going to need news. You know, there's, there's definitely a lot of ominous things going on in the world, and we have recently experienced a, uh, a situation where the government basically kind of dropped the ball in Afghanistan, and a lot of people really got hurt. So I don't necessarily want to talk about the, pol- the politics of the situation, but I do want to focus on one feel-good story out there. And uh, at the risk of uh, showing my, my nerdiness for Star Wars, um, I have to tell you that this is the way, and this is something that is the way that Christians should be acting and what we should be seeing from fellow Christians out there. So recently, when the, uh, the collapse occurred, there were a lot of Christians and Americans that were stuck in Afghanistan uh, due to the, 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 failure to, the, the failure of planning. So love him or hate him, Glenn Beck, uh, the conservative radio guy, basically said, forget all this government stuff, let's do the right thing on our own. And asked his listeners to donate to collect enough money to actually help rescue people on the ground without using the help of the government. And that is the way. We should act around them. The government would just get in our way. And they actually did the same thing to, uh, to Glenn Beck and his Nazarene Fund, which is something that he owned, um, he basically set up. But they raised $30 million in a matter of, of hours and wow. managed to rescue over 1,000 Christians from the, the collapsing environment in Afghanistan before the uh, United States government sh- stepped in and shut it all down, which was a very John Galt-ish, uh, if, if, I, uh, if I said that right, John Galt-ish type of mood or uh, type of move. So for those of you who have not yet read Atlas Shrugged, you won't understand that reference. But, um, guilty. (laughs) Essentially, the government just gets in the way, work around them. So they raise all this money and the government put a stop to it? Yeah, yeah. They put arbitrary deadlines of how long they're going to allow people to go in and out. And, uh, you can read about it on the internet if you look it up, but it's amazing that they were able to rescue a thousand Christians from immediate murder. Um, just by appealing to a, a national conservative audience to, to give. And he bought the planes, paid the pilots, 
He was able to fly three flights out before the government stepped in and shut him down, basically. Okay, is that the same story I just saw about um, they had a bunch of Christians, a bunch of regular folks, <laughs> I guess that's what you call them, I don't know, um, a bunch of vehicles, and they got stopped and they turned them all over to the Taliban? Is that, or is that a different story? No, that's a different story. So the... This is getting a little political, so maybe I don't. Oh, you didn't want to go that direction? Not necessarily. Okay, we don't have to. I'll just kind of. I will say it's BS. I'll summarize it by saying there was a a collapse in leadership. That is a colossal collapse of leadership in Afghanistan. Uh, Several blunders were made, and it results in the largest weapons transference to the enemy in history. Right. Um. 600,000 American weapons were seized by the oh, Taliban. Oh, that's it's so like much that. more than that. Vehicles. Yeah, vehicles. Uh, helicopters. Right. Um, they basically over there, they, they took a whole bunch of the uniforms for the, uh, the, the U.S. military. Yeah. And then dressed themselves up as military I saw people that. and tried to redo the Iwo Jima flag, raising the Taliban flag over Afghanistan. It's a mockery. Yeah. Well, no matter whether you're wanting to get political or not, or whether you look at the politics of it or not, it's still just a, not a good situation. Oh, it's I mean, not. End of story. Yeah. And I, I would encourage each of our listeners to continue to pray for her over there because- Absolutely. It is, it's ugly, folks. Um, I could tell you some stories that would make, your, uh, make you just weep with the amount of cruelty and just the disgusting behavior of what we're seeing over there. And the fact that people were- left behind um, is a travesty, particularly not, not just Christians, yeah. but even American citizens and military people yeah. and people who assisted our military while over there. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's a reason why Afghanistan is called the place where empires go to die. So, yeah. Well, all this is still, you know, it's, we knew, we knew it's coming. If you're uh, if you're a Christ follower, if you've read uh, the word of God, you know, this stuff is coming. Mm-hmm. It's uh, certainly has, it's not new to the world by any means, but it's certainly getting worse. Mm-hmm. I totally just want to explode in my point of view and <laughs> <laughs> I am going to not do that. My tongue is bleeding a lot. My tongue know. is bleeding, but, <laughs> but um, I, I may do a Sunday shorts episode and just unleash. But um, next week we're going to kind of be talking about what the world is looking like and where it's going and what we're going to do about it and, um, or what should we do about it and how do we handle it? So that'll be next week. So be sure to tune in for that. Cause it kind of, it kind of stems off or segues from Nathan's news story today. Uh, and, and well, kind of where it ended up going. And if you're hearing all that interference racket, it's absolutely pouring outside. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> so it just waits for us to do this. Yeah. Pours. The last two hours has been kind of calm. And I literally looked out the window and saw cats and dogs flopping over the side of the building. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and we have an outreach tonight, so hopefully it'll stop before that starts. <laughs> Pastor Rick was saying right before the show started, it'll probably just pass right over us. <laughs> as the last couple of weeks. And it may. Uh, Are you looking at the radar? That's what we were hoping for. Yeah. So, so, okay. Well, thanks for the news, Nathan. And, you know, as down and as dour as that news kind of is, it's really uplifting because as Christians, we don't have to go through the government to do the right thing. Um, 
That's right. Glenn Beck raised $30 million in a matter of hours. He bought 30 airplanes to fly people out and was only able to fly three out before the government put a stop to it. Well, that's three that wouldn't have gotten out. Is so. that the U.S. government or the, is, uh, or the government over there in the East? U.S. government. See, and no, the thing is, is I, he was flying the flights to other countries that were willing to accept Christians who were fleeing. Right. Why are they? I, 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 I know the answer to this. I don't even really have to ask. It is but the government is the enemy of humanity. The, exactly right. The government is. And the, it doesn't matter which party's in control. The government is the is the enemy of humanity. Exactly. So if you're wondering why that we left thousands of Americans stranded in the, that area, I mean, I'm not. I mean, they're spread out. Not just Americans, but fellow Christians, you know? Right. Even not even from, well, not from there, but from Germany, from Australia, from all over the world. Got stranded there. Tell me it wasn't on purpose. Because if it wasn't on purpose, they would allow this man to rescue more than they did. Yeah. Certainly there's enough that has gone on over the last couple of years to know that there are some other, some major players in some things that we would probably call conspiracy theories. Uh, but you have to, you, you would have to assume that if, if revelation is going to play out the way we see that it's going to play out, somebody's got to be working behind the scenes because the general population, if we knew what was coming, we would try to stop it. And, you know, that's why, you know, whether you're a, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or whatever, I certainly don't know why we don't fear government control any more than we do. You know, I mean, to give excess control over any government is just not a good idea yet. You know, I know we want to do it because then we get free things and all that. But uh, do you really want the government to control? I believe it was Thomas Jefferson who once said that a government big enough to give you anything you want is big enough to take away everything you have. Speak it, sister. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I, I think, I really think our forefathers would be rolling over, probably are rolling over in their graves. <laughs> I, actually, we were no, talking about this the other day and they wouldn't be rolling over in their graves. They'd be locked and loaded at this point. Actually, Jason <laughs> said, probably right. Jason said they've been spinning for years so, so much that they're like drills and they're not the center of the core of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's probably right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that certainly uh, takes us to our topic, doesn't it? It does. Um, let's roll right into this sucker. Um, the seven letters to the church. Now, before we start, I want to preface with using big words like Nathan. Um, I don't Nathan's know. not, not even really that, that big a word. word. <laughs> but I'm well, I could have said start with, but, which is a much smaller word. Okay. Um, so the. Uh, I mean, the book of Revelation starts with uh, the seven, basically the seven churches. Um, and the instructions says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. All right. So before we dive into this, why are, why are we covering this topic? There he goes. <laughs> well, it's important. Let's, right. let's you're going to answer. Let's okay. set the table. Like, why is this topic what, what we're covering today? Well, because all of these things, all these letters to the seven churches, 
are talking about people, well, it's talking about the church and the different problems there are in the church, whether you're unfaithful, whether you're persecuted, whether you're lukewarm, um, and whether you're faithful. Um, so these are modern problems that we see for the churches. In, in the book of Revelation, there were seven churches that were called out by name, and each of them had something that they were, they were, uh, that they were struggling with. There was really only one of the seven that was unblemished <laughs> with, with a pro, without any problems. Right. Um, so these seven churches uh, were Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And these seven churches each had a different affliction, which mirrors the church throughout all of history. Even today, these seven problems, or I should say these six problems, maybe a seventh one as well, these are things that we are facing today, that these are still problems in the church. So let's kind of go through them. Well, you know, just to kind of piggyback on that, there's nothing new under the sun. We have to understand that. Oh yeah, the, the sin that's that rolls around today has been there forever. Some people think, "Oh, homosexuality—that's a new thing." No, the popularity and the acceptance may be a new thing, but that's why Sodom—you know—one of the reasons why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of that sin. This stuff never really changes, and I, I think that uh, that God knows—obviously, He knows this—and He looked at the situation in the current churches, the these churches that. They wrote that he w- was instructing the letters to be written to were current churches of that day. They were literal churches. And they were literal and they were active. And these are literal problems that they had. But I believe there's many theories on why these seven churches were picked. I simply think it's because God knows that every church throughout history, every time period throughout history, these issues are going to reoccur. And so he picked a cross-section with, a, with you know, basically all of these issues and pointed them out and said, beware, don't become, you know, don't become one of these churches. So he, the, the warning was not only for them, but also anybody who has ears to hear in the future. That's correct. That's what uh, Jason was just reading. If you want yeah. to go ahead and read that again, Jason. Um, what I read? Yeah, the, uh, the, the opening promise. Chapter 1, verse 30. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Now, who reads it? Well, here, okay, um, the seven spirits who are before his throne uh, in Revelation 1, 4, C, it says the seven spirits who are before his throne said from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over his, the kings of the earth. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I got a little, um, I think I read the wrong, the, I didn't, oh, here we go. That read, rain I, is really coming down out there. Still. Okay, uh, chapter one, <laughs> verse 19 is what I meant to read. Um, chapter one, verse 19. Write the things, and now he's saying this to John. Jesus is saying this to John. He wants to, wants to write these things he says, write these things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Um, all the things of Revelation. He, he say John went to a trance, which, and he saw these visions. And Jesus told him to write these things. So it wasn't 
watch. What, I want to show you these things and I want you to write them down. He actually wanted him to write these things down as he saw them. And, uh, which would be a hard task to, it's like watching a movie and writing it down at the same time. But, but just to kind of make sure we're staying on scripture, you mentioned the word trance. And if you look in verse one, one, it says that, uh, that Christ sent an angel to present this revelation to the servant, John. Mm-hmm. Right. So a trance might be a modern interpretation of that, but this was an angelic vision uh, or an angelic visit with a vision. So we might use the word trance today, but be careful with the language there. Well, that actual word is in the Bible. Maybe not your version. Okay. That's entirely possible. Um, it's, Speaking of which, which version are you reading from? Uh, New King James. All right. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here at the, uh, I picked it up at the church as we walked in because I forgot my Bible at home because I'm an idiot. Ooh, that's okay. We have Bibles. <laughs> um, that's a good thing to have at a church. So he told, okay, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand. John saw seven stars in Jesus's right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now, which kind of implies that each church has an angel that's kind of like in charge of it or watching over. Well, actually, the angels of the seven churches are the pastor, because John is like, how can I give these writings to an angel? Well, the angel are the pastors. And that is explained in Daniel 12, um, 3b. And those who turn many to righteous like, are like stars forever and ever. So those who speak, which is back in Revelation 1, 3, blessed is he who reads the pastor. And those who hear the people in the church, the church, they hear the word from the pastor. The pastor teaches the word. The people in the church hear the word and keep these things which are written in it. So the pastors of the churches are the stars. And what was that verse in Daniel you said? Uh, verse chapter 12, verse three. So, yeah, it's commonly just while you guys are looking there, it's, it is commonly believed uh, that the angels uh, that he mentions here are either the pastors or angels that overlook the church but i tend to agree with that uh, agree with the jason and his interpretation that that they're probably talking about pastors because he was told to give those letters to the to the angels it would be difficult for him probably to, to give, give it them to, to literal angel. angels right so you know i tend to agree with that but there there are schools of thought both directions yeah i mean we definitely have angels over overlooking everything we just studied that in the book of Matthew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, starting into the churches now, um, the first church that he wrote to, uh, the church of Ephesus, uh, is, quote unquote, the loveless church. This is Revelation 2, 1 through 7, if Correct. you're following along at home. And, and 2, 2, I know your golden lamp stands. I know your works, your labor, your patience. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. Those are good things, right? Right. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and labored for my name's sake, 
and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from this place unless you repent. Now, what that kind of is relating to, from what I gather, and I, I think you probably will agree, when we first come to Christ, when we first discover the greatness of God and, and, and what Christ has done for us, we have this spike that goes through us, this kind of a revelation in and of itself that, wow, God is amazing. Jesus Christ died for me and he, and he has given me this gift and I'm going to tell everybody about it. And I'm so excited, like your brand new shiny car or new awesome new shoes you just got. You're so excited to tell people. Just can't hide it. Just can't hide it. And then after some time, it starts to fade. That excitement fades. And so basically what he's saying here is go back to your first works. Go back to being excited. Go back to telling people about it um, because you're not telling anybody about it anymore. Kind of want to build on that a little bit too. So usually when you have that, that initial passion, uh, you're at that point, you're in relationship, right? It, it's something that is very easy to lean into because you're experiencing your walk with God. It's real. It's physical. You can almost reach out and touch it, right? However, as, as time goes on for many believers, they, they experience that spiritual high and then start to come down. And in the process of coming down, it's very common for people to exchange relationship for religion. And religion, um, which is when you start focusing on the do's and the don'ts, there's a word for it. And I cannot figure out what, it is, what that word is off the top of my head right now. But when you're like, you're following, almost like you're following a checklist, you're being very methodical about your faith. What, what, what do we call that? Um, people who are very by the book, you got to follow. Faithful? No, that's uh, not the word. This in is, the zone? It's more uh, of a negative word. Be, oh, a negative word. Yeah. Oh. Um, because they're focused on, you've got to follow all these steps. Ritualistic? That's, routine? It's close. Oh, uh, man, I cannot figure out this word to save my life right now. I hate I'll, that. I'll come back to it eventually. Happens to me every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, um, essentially, as you're, as you're, you're being a, a literalist and somebody who's just trying to follow the rules and follow the things, you lose your love of that relationship and you kind of exchange it out for, for being more ritualistic uh, since I don't have the other word handy. Oh, I know the word you're thinking of. Yeah, it, I just can't. It's like right there on the tip of my tongue. It, it'll come to me eventually. But um, if you are focused on the do's and the don'ts more than that relationship, you're putting yourself in a similar situation, legalistic. That's, That's it. That's the word That's I was it. looking for. Uh, I, I it was on the tip was, of my tongue. it was going to come in. Okay. But, uh, all right, so uh, when you're really legalistic, you find yourself in a situation like this church at Ephesus where they're like, you see in verse two, he's like, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. Now, if you listen to the, wor world, the words of the world, tolerance is the absolute highest uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? The, the highest ideal one can aspire to. In the Christian church, we are not to tolerate evil. You're to kick it out. And it, it, that's a very legalistic thing to do. 
And it says here, you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. That's a legalist thing to do. These are good things but to these do. Are, yeah, that's, we need to make sure we understand that those are good things. In fact, he's yes. commending them here. Yes, he's giving them a pat on the back saying, hey, you're doing this right. You're doing this right. Right. But, and it says here, you've discovered they are liars and you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So there's endurance there, right? But you forgot your first love. You stepped away from the relationship. Right. And part of that relationship is maybe you're no longer sharing your faith, like what, what Jason was mentioning. So there's definitely something we can learn there from the church at Ephesus. Absolutely. Well, I think when you, when you read each of these letters, it's important to, uh, so that we can understand how they apply to us and what we need to look out for. We need to look at both sides of this. We need to look, look at those commendations because in every one of these letters, there's, there's, an, there's a commendation. He's saying you, you're doing these things right. And then he says, okay, but these things, except for, I think it's Philadelphia. There's nothing pretty much negative said. I think that's the one. Yeah. Right. Philadelphia and, is the one that got away. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think he purposely even picked that, you know, that church saying, look, not every church is going to, you know, be Have in the same problem. boat. Yeah. There, you know, there Some can be, right. there can be churches that are literally on track and that are doing the right kind of things. Not perfect by any means, but certainly on track. Now, it's, wait, one second, just to be clear, when, he, when we're talking about churches, it's yeah. not a church as a whole. It's individually, individual people in the church. You can have a church, say there's 50 people in it, and each one of those people could be in a different section in, the, in these seven churches. You can have your, this guy over here is legalistic, this guy over here is corrupt, this guy over here, you know. It's individual people, each one of us that make up the church. Within the church. Within the church. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. That is, that is true. I would definitely read it that way. And you'll see more of that when you get to like the lukewarm church. You know, Let not me, everybody yeah. can Let me kind of clarify that for the listeners because I'm not sure that came across the way you want it to. Okay. So what Jason is saying is that each of these messages to the church are really, uh, these were problems that affected these, these local churches. But they are also problems that can infect any church modernly. And not yeah. only that, but because of the people that are in the churches now, you could face any of these problems that we're going to cover from the seven churches. Right. Well, that's true. But I think, I think well, I thought you were really alluding to the fact that every church is made up of people. A church is just a group of people. And, uh, and, and within that group, some could be on track and some may not be on track. Exactly. So when he says, you as a church, here's your, your, the things I'm uh, commending you for, and here's the things that you're faulting, that, you're, that I'm faulting you for, he's giving the whole church responsibility for that because of the fact that the church has a leader and they have leadership. And as a church, they, they should be governed enough to not allow these things to happen. However, we have to realize that some of those people may have been doing the right thing and others might have been those that were doing those things that he's pointing out. That's correct. Because it's a group of people. Is that it's, what you're exactly. saying? Okay. Um, Using the word church. Church is a corporate body. Right. Right. And it can get a little confusing there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we are the church, the, the Christians. And... They, each Christian is in a different place in their walk. And I could be, my personal walk could be the faithful church. And the guy sitting next to me in the same church 
could be lukewarm. It is true. Exactly. So you have to look at these seven churches and see where you personally fit. Sure. And make the change and repent. Sure. And, and that applies virtually to everything. When, when, when the Bible talks about the church, you know, the church should do this, church should do that. How many times have we as individuals have said, oh, our church does this? You know, our church reaches, does outreach. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, do you do outreach? When the Bible says right. the church should be doing outreach, you have to realize you are the church. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can't just say, well, our church does it, so I'm covered. No, no. you're called to do it too. <laughs> so anyway, back to our topic. You know, as we read these things, we've got to read not only the commendations. Okay, here's the things that you need to be doing. They were already doing them and he was commending them for it. We need to look at our churches and ourself and say, are we doing these things? And then the second part of this is these things that he's saying, hey, you're kind of messing up here. We have to ask ourselves, is this something that we as a church or we as an individual who is part of the church, are we doing? And of course, in every case, he says, read, you know, listen and understand, you know, that's, that's very important. But this first church, you know, obviously they had an issue with abandoning their first love. And, and I think we can do that a, a number of different ways. And I think everything that Nathan said was valid. Um, I think there's many ways that we can lose our first love. I know when we certainly become Christians, we're, we're more excited about it than ever. It's new. It's like a new car. You know, you're excited about your new car until it no longer smells new anymore mm-hmm. or until it gets its first dent or <laughs> you have to take it to the mechanic and he has to put a different engine in it or something. Mm-hmm. But I think in addition to that, we have to realize this is a, there's a spiritual battle going on out there. And we forget this all the time. There are, there are entities that want us to fail. You know, Satan and his minions want us to fail, want to get us on track. And the enemy works along with the world, the sinful world, which is kind of all the enemy, really. And I think that because we are foreigners in a foreign land, often we get sidetracked by the world and by the enemy. And we lose our passion for God just because we get caught up in that little thing we call life. And that's why over and over in the, in the word, it tells us now that you're Christians, you got to, first of all, see yourself as a foreigner and an alien on this planet. And second of all, set your mind on the future. Don't just think about what you're going through. Think about the future. Think about that. And it keeps you Christ focused. And of course, we're told to abide in the vine all the time. Abiding in the vine is what's going to keep us plugged in. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep us on track and keep us, you know, but, but uh, Nate really hit it on the head though. It's, it's really, if you focus on that relationship and don't let anything get between you and Jesus, you're going to be in good shape. It's really when we let things tear that apart or sidetrack us. Yeah. And whether that be legalism or whether it be the world right. or our own personal sinful natures for that matter. Right. Okay. Uh, I suppose we should, Keep rolling. Uh, next church is the persecuted church. Uh, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. This is chapter two, verse eight through whatever I stop. Um, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say the Jews 
I'm sorry. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So a couple things here. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a pattern to these messages to each of the churches, and uh, we'll, we'll come back to this, but the rewards that are promised to each church tell a story. So we'll come back to that toward the end once we're done with the seven churches. But this one here, this is the persecuted church. Modernly, we're seeing the persecuted church in places like Afghanistan, as we mentioned earlier, where the Taliban are hunting down people who have the Bible app on their phone and murdering them. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing this in, in China, China, where if you, if you own a Bible, you're basically sent to a concentration camp. There, there, there's our re-education camps, if you will. I was going to say, I wouldn't mind if I've got a Bible to go to concentration, where I can concentrate. But I don't think that's the way they yeah, work. Yeah, so. that's not how that works. Bummer. So the, the persecuted church in, in, in America, this is one of those things where it's, we still have it very easy here when compared to here in America than historical, than historically Christians have had it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting worse for sure. Yeah. But we're not yet at the levels where the American church is the persecuted church, although it is moving in that direction. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of this kind of stems back in the day, back in the first century, the synagogue was a place where people gathered and they, they were technically weren't, they weren't there to, they weren't gathering in good spirit of the Lord. They were gathering to talk about um, gathering up Christians and killing them, um, persecuting them. And the, the tribulation 10 days wasn't a literal 10 days. It actually represented the 10 people, and it started with Nero, um, that were leaders of persecuting Christians. And the ones that said they were Jews and were not uh, Jews is actually a word derived from a Latin word. I forget, udala or something. And what it meant in Greek was, uh, are they are blessed, and so that's where the word Jew came from was from that word, which I don't know Greek, <laughs> but um, it it's means, all Greek to me. It means blessed, and uh, so those that want to crucify or the word uh, persecute um, Christians aren't living by God's will because those. Christians are those who follow, or well, Christian means to be Christ-like. Um, and anyone that wants to persecute them isn't Christ-like. So they're uh, blasphemers to the word of God, and they aren't being like the Jews, which are blessed by God. Well, specifically in this passage here for the church in Smyrna, there are those who were, who were basically saying that they were the Jewish people or the chosen people or the blessed people, but they really weren't. So they were a church of Satan, as you see. Exactly. John call it. So these were pretenders. Pretenders, right? exactly. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny when you read this. If you think that 
Christ wants you to be abundant and have lots and lots of wealth and the prosperity message, this verse here should really, really make you think that through a little bit more because he's saying, I know you're going to suffer. You will be thrown in prison. And and, and this is a very consistent message through the, the New Testament and even the Old Testament. You're going to face trials and tribulations and Life is not going to be sunshine and roses and lollipops all the time. Mm -hmm. And I would like to point out that there is a modern day church that says that they are, what's the word when you like connect your spliced in, maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Spliced in. Spliced in. Well, they say that they are Jewish by association, basically. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? You know what church I'm talking about? I do not. And I'm a little scared with where you're going with this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the uh, Seventh-day Adventists say that they are... um, Oh, the modern version of the Jewish people. Yeah, they say they are married in, spliced in. Let's not go any further on that topic. Hogwash, move on. That's what they say. Hogwash. How... What they... What they're hogwash. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. I agree. They're not Jewish. (laughs) Let's just continue. And a warning. Well, no, I'm not going to continue. I'm going to say this, Nathan. Um, could this be a warning to them? Absolutely. Could this, are if they saying, could he be saying those who say you are Jews and are not? Yeah. Be warned. So be warned. Read that verse. Thank you for tuning in to part one of this Letters to the Seven Churches as we dive into these and dissect them a little bit, try to get some better understanding. We will be back next week with part two, as well as the Wheel of Games, Songs of the Week, and the pastor's final thoughts. We appreciate you for listening, and we will see you next week. Have a great day. Have a great week. <laughs>